This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. This week we read Parshat Kedoshim, and Parshat Kedoshim is truly an amazing Parsha with phenomenal range. Uh, Rashi tells us in the opening comments that Rov Gufeha Torah Tuluimba, it contains essential... Um, elements of Torah, and that is certainly true. As we br- begin with uh, the mitzvah of kibbud Ava'im, respect for parents, uh, the mitzvah of Shabbat, we find ourselves talking about the um, prohibition against making idols. But uh, we move forward through the laws of sacrifices to the laws of le- leaving the corner of your field for the poor, to other famous mitzvot. Um, an example would be do not put a stumbling block before the blind man for example you're not allowed to leave somebody who is um, whose life is in peril not allowed to stand by idly against the blood of your brother we have the love your um, neighbor as yourself and many other laws, for example, um, the laws of shutness, the laws of orla, leaving the fruit for the first three years, the isor, the prohibition of a tattoo, um, the famous uh, mitzvah of mipnei sevatakum, standing before the elderly. This certainly is a, a, a parsha with huge range, and it covers so many essentials of the laws of society and so many principles of Judaism, we can certainly say that Rov Gufei Torah Yimba. The question is, what exactly is the holding principle here? And uh, how exactly to understand this remarkable collection of of Torah law um, here in, 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 in Sefer Vayikra? Some will say that this is a restatement of the Ten Commandments. In fact, uh, the Medrash Vayikra does have a passage which says that uh, once again we have an expression of derivatives of the Aseret broad of the Ten Commandments uh, expressed in a sort of different form than we've seen earlier. Not uh, not exactly the same as the Ten Commandments, not even the same as Parshat Mishpatim, but once again a restatement of the Aseret Tadibrot. However, I would like to uh, begin our comments this week by putting Kedoshim into a wider, a wider context. Sometimes we isolate each Parshat Shavua, each uh, weekly reading, in an almost uh, myopic sense. And we look uh, from the beginning of the Parsha till its end, and we forget that uh, frequently the Parsha is part of a wider tapestry. And when we look at Parsha Kadoshim, uh, this certainly is true. Let me try and elaborate and explain. Uh, however, those of you who actually have a book open might do well to look into uh, Aharemot, our previous Parsha. We read Aharemot so long ago, um, before Pesach, so you might have quite forgotten its, its content, but we will refer to it. Uh, what I'd like to, to, to show you is that Parsha Kadoshim is part of a, a far wider structure, what we call a chiastic structure. It is a structure which is symmetrical. 
and the Torah uh, and much ancient writing is put into a certain form which which we can call a chiasm, a chiastic structure, a symmetrical structure, which has a opening um, and develops themes which uh, rebound symmetrically. Let me try and elaborate what I'm talking about. Chapter 18 of Vayikra, uh, found in Parashat Achreimot, Parakut Chet, um, opens with an instruction. Dabel b'nei Yisrael alehem ani Hashem elokechem. Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, I am Hashem your God. Do not act like the uh, culture or the norms of Egypt where you lived. Do not adopt the cultural norms of Canaan. But instead, what should you do? Over, sorry, do not walk in their ways. Rather, what you should do is at Follow my statutes, my laws, and uh, that's how you should walk. And what follows is a whole list, a list which uh, is explicit over at least um, 18 verses, which list all different uh, forbidden sexual uh, relationships. And uh, this is followed up with a conclusion which say that if you do this, uh, the land of Israel will not tolerate you. And you've got to be very careful um, not to follow the Chukotagoyim, the way of the surrounding nations. You need to create your own unique culture. The implication here, by the way, is that uh, there was a particular problem of uh, sexual, uh, degenerate sexual culture, which uh, permeated and was, was part of the Canaanite culture, and uh, that if we follow this, we will find ourselves ejected from the land of Israel. What, what follows this uh, chapter 18 is uh, chapter 19, Kudoshim Tehiyu, this uh, interesting collection of laws that we have uh, uh, briefly described. And at the end of the whole description of these laws, spanning chapter 19 and the beginning of chapter 20, we return back to these themes where it says, if you recall, the opening line of our parsha is, um, you should be holy, uh, because I am holy. At the end of all of the laws of Kedoshim, chapter 19 and beginning of 20, what does it say? I'm now reading from um, Perak Chaf Pasuk Zayin, chapter 20, verse 7. We hear the echo of the beginning of Kedoshim. Sanctify yourselves and become holy. The notion of sanctity comes once again. And then we return to the entire list of all the forbidden sexual relationships. Here it is not the Azharot, but the Onashim. In the first list in chapter 18, we heard what we weren't allowed to do, but now we hear the, the punishments for each particular illicit union. And at the end of all of this, we return back to the wider cultural context. As it says here, and I here I'm quoting from verse uh, 23, do not walk in the 
ways of the nation, in the um, societal structures of the nations, which who I am dispossessing from before you, they did all of this and I found it disgusting. And I said that you will inherit the land, the land flowing with milk and honey, but you... Um, I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the other nations. What, uh, what are we to make of this structure? And let me try and uh, again explain what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to say. Parashat Kadoshim, this wonderful collection of laws, is flanked on either side by three things, and it's flanked in a symmetrical style. We're told that we must keep away from the cultural norms of other societies, be it Egypt and especially the land of Canaan. We are warned off both at the start and at the finish from the whole laundry list of uh, sexual relationships which are inappropriate. We're talking about uh, mainly incestuous relationships, but others as well. Um, And we're told that we have to be holy. And it is this context, this framework to Parashat Kedoshim, which leads Rashi in the opening lines of, of the Parashat to say that Kedoshim to you, Prushim to you, that the idea of Kedoshim, how do you achieve sanctity? How do you achieve the special sanctity that uh, the Torah is talking about? And he says, Prushim that in order to achieve this sanctity, it is particularly within a sexual context, that by um, refraining and by keeping away from illicit sexual unions, we achieve Kedusha. In fact, one of his his uh, proofs, which is uh, somewhat convincing, is that uh, we, we, we see the, the connection between um, the commandment of Kedoshim to you and um, we see this later on in chapter 21, verse 7 and 8, where it says, uh, that extra sanctity is achieved by the Kohen, who is not allowed to marry an Ishazona, a promiscuous woman, um, and therefore um, additional levels of sanctity are obtained by having uh, safeguards against uh, inappropriate sexual uh, contact. This puts uh, Kedoshim in a sort of uh, interesting framework um, where what is particularly stressed in order to become a holy nation is to uh, achieve a certain Jewish sexual ethic. However, the Ramban, in a wonderful, phenomenal passage, claims that it is far more um, far more complicated than that. And uh, the Ramban wants to claim that Kedushah is not limited to sanctity is not limited to merely the sexual realm. That in every area of life, if we find ourselves in a in a refined mode of living, um, we will achieve sanctity. He talks about the possibility of there being a naval Torah, somebody who lives according to the letter of the law, but uh, ignores the spirit of the law. And he says that in every area, one can find loopholes. In every area, a person can live um, even according to Mahadran standards, but in an appropriate ethical ethical uh, mode of living, 
And therefore, Kedoshim comes to teach us that uh, we indeed we have to separate ourselves, but we have to create a refined, upstanding, moral um, landscape in which to live in. And I, I think this really goes to the heart of Parsha Kedoshim, because it would appear that the Torah itself is is essentially telling us that Kedoshim transcribes a certain set of ethical norms which make um, a Jewish body politic, a Jewish country, different from others. It contrasts very, very deliberately the corpus of law which forms um, Kedoshim with other national entities, be it Egypt or Canaan, and says that they are degenerate, but we will be uh, upstanding. And the only way we can be upstanding, the only way we can be holy, is is if we keep this code of law, which includes sensitivity to uh, the people around us, whether it be, it, as I mentioned before, the elderly, or whether it is the poor and leaving the corner of your field, or whether it is it includes um, keeping away from various forms of idolatry, be it the molech, um, child sacrifice that is mentioned here, or be it uh, looking after our bodies. Here he mentions particularly um, the mitzvah of a man having having a beard um, and other things. There is almost an emphasis on on every every aspect of, of life: the way we dress, shutness, the way we um, the way we harvest our fields, um, the notion of justice within society. Where he talks about the idea of Mo'oznet Tzedek, Avnet Tzedek, Efat Tzedek, Hin Tzedek, having fair weights and measures, having fairness in society, having standards and regulation which ensure that weights and measures are, are, are honest. So this is the uniquely, um, this is the unique Jewish, Jewish national culture. This is the unique, uh, form of Jewish law which is meant to make um, a Jewish country, distinct, unique, which is meant to um, be our national culture. And that's what what, what makes Parsha Kadoshim um, so special. It is indeed trying to transcribe the contours of a, of a Jewish society. And uh, that is why we have such a wide range of mitzvot here. And that's why it is uh, framed by saying, I've separated you out from the nations. When you build your own society... This is how you have to build it. And that makes uh, Parsha Kadoshim very special indeed. You, When you look at Parsha Kadoshim, you will uh, understand that the legal sections are grouped into different uh, segments. And each segment is divided by a phrase either Ani Hashem or Ani Hashem Elokechem. Let me give you an example. Um, we have the initial instruction. That's the introduction. Be holy, for I am holy, says God. And then you have. Uh, Honor your father, uh, fear your, fa- your mother and your father. Keep my Shabbat. I am the Lord your God. In other words, it ends. Verse 4. Uh, a verse which deals with uh, idolatry. Ani Hashem 
And um, if you go through the parsha, you will find this phrase, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, I don't know, 13, 14 times. And it almost appears as if this uh, refrain, this chorus line, Ani Hashem Elokeichem, or sometimes it's shortened to Ani Hashem, divides up the various sections into into segments, into thematic units. And these thematic units have their own integrity. And uh, I'm going to deal with maybe one of the most famous of these, verse 17 and 18. Um, and let me try and read out the Pesukim, and we will try and, just for the next uh, 15 minutes or so, focus in on on their content. So I'm going to read Parakutet, Pasukut Zayn, Yudchet, chapter 19, verse 17 and 18. Here's how it goes. Do not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your colleague or your neighbor and do not bear upon him sin or do not bear because of him sin. Do not take revenge or harbor a grudge against the members of your people. And love your neighbor as yourself. It ends off with Ani Hashem. This uh, short two-verse section contains at least uh, five different mitzvot. Let me explain. We start off with the prohibition, you must not hate your brother in your heart. You mustn't hate another Jew. Number two, you must uh, rebuke your neighbor. We will discuss this one. Number three, you must not take revenge. Number four, you must not bear a grudge. And number five, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And clearly the question is, what is the relationship between each of these different laws? And do they conflict in any way? <clears throat> we we should already note that some of these phrases are particularly difficult. Uh, one we might uh, might sound easy. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Um, however, as many people have pointed out, so one can never love another person quite as much as one loves oneself. We have a basic instinct of needing to look after number one, and it is virtually impossible to love another human being. Um, as much as we love ourselves. Various solutions have been offered to the to this answer. Uh, one is the famous solution of um, Hillel, who puts this in the in the negative, where he says, What you hate, do not do to somebody else. In other words, you obviously cannot love them as yourself. You cannot do everything to another person that you would love for yourself. But what you can do is not to do something which is unpleasant to someone else. Um, and that way you are not expressing love in the positive, but you are um, making sure that anything which is unpleasant you don't do to somebody else, and that you can do. Um, the Rambam in Hilchot Deot, um, in, in Mishnah Torah, the Rambam relates to this mitzvah of Yehavtalarecha Kamocha, and he, he uh, also, interestingly enough, limits it to particular areas. He says, There is a mitzvah on every person to 
every Jew to love every other Jew like himself, as it says, He needs to talk in the praise of that person and to worry about his money just like he worries about his own money or assets and just like he wants his own honour. The Rambam seems to limit this mitzvah not to the entire range of love um, but rather limits it to two areas. One is a, a person's honour, a person's respect, that we should never shame another person, that we should never, um, that we should be very, very careful about their dignity and their their respect. And the other area is that we should be very careful with their finances. Um, and so interestingly enough, he uh, doesn't put in the negative, but he says the way you express love for another person is by worrying about their honour, their dignity, um, and their financial integrity. Um, everybody has to somehow grapple with these laws because uh, they're expressed in, in very wide and deep um, moral uh, absolutes. Love your neighbour as yourself, but in practice, when you translate them to a mode of living, we need to find some limits um, in order to um, to work out how we can actually live these laws and not just see them as uh, moral imperatives, but actually see them as moral directives or practical directives, maybe I should say. Um, however, I'm fascinated by the law of hocheach tochiach. Let's uh, try and understand that law and uh, see how it relates. Uh, again, we said that, that it opens with saying you must not hate your brother in your heart. In other words, we're not allowed to hate other people. It might seem difficult at times. Uh, by the way, that, that, that sort of mirrors uh, we have the negative, do not hate, and obviously at the end, uh, you should love. So this forms a nice uh, bracketing or a nice envelope to these laws. And then we have, you shall surely rebuke your neighbour. And what exactly is this law of rebuke? Now, some of you who are listening, who uh, maybe have um, a Jewish background, will be aware of uh, the, the Jewish learning background, I meant, will be aware of this law of Tochacha. And this law of Tochacha is the idea that if you see another Jew who is engaged in a religiously inappropriate or religiously illegal act, you are mandated to inform them of their sinful act and to reprimand them. And this is how we understand uh, you must surely rebuke your fellow. Maybe I'll quote from the Sefer HaChinuch. The Sefer HaChinuch says it is an active obligation to rebuke any fellow Jew who acts against the law, whether it is Ben Adam Lechaviro, a societal law, or Ben Adam Lemakom, a religious law, a mitzvah between man and God. As it states, you shall surely rebuke your fellow Jew and you shall not bear sin against him. Now, of course, you'll say, if we're walking around poking our nose into other people's business and we're rebuking people and saying, why are you breaking Shabbos? Why are you not eating kosher? Um, how is this going to work? So let's see. The, the Chinuch continues and says the following. He says, The Sifra tells us that even if one rebuked an individual four or five times, one must continue to inform the person, as it states, Double language. Rebuke and rebuke again. The Sifra also says, 
one is instructed to rebuke in a manner which will cause, uh, it, sorry, is one instructed to rebuke in a manner which will cause embarrassment, it states, do not bear a sin because of him. In other words, um, you should surely rebuke him, but you should not bear sin. And I think there are actually two possible ways to understand this. Rebuke him so that you will not be responsible for his sin. That's option number one. But the way the Chinuch is reading it is, rebuke your neighbor, but do not bear a sin. Well, what would that sin be? Embarrassment. You can tell him off, but not to embarrass him. Now, this mitzvah of hocheach tocheach, of rebuking, is particularly problematic in the, in the modern world. I mean, what exactly, in the Western world in general, every person has a right to live their life as they wish, as long as it doesn't interfere or offend anyone else. And then this law of rebuke would seem to overstep the boundaries of our personal space, of our privacy, of our um, morally... A neutral society in the most absolute way um, we, we would certainly find ourselves you know, what, what exactly are we expected to do we're expected to go up to all sorts of Jews and tell them what we think they should do uh, and in addition the changes um, to the Jewish world at large ever since the emancipation have left us with a sort of demographic in which there are more Jews who are non-halachically observant than those who are Shomer Halacha. Many people have never heard of Kashrut. Uh, many people disagree with the, the very fundamentals of, of how Orthodox people keep their lives. Um, in one very famous tshuva, I mean, a whole volumes have been written on this topic, uh, you should realize. And, uh, you know, in one very famous tshuva, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, Etlinger, the Binyan Sion, he talks about how it's just impossible to uphold this law in a modern time. He says there are people who think they're doing the right thing. He talks about people who will go to shul on Shabbat morning, thereby honoring the Shabbat, and then go off to watch the football or go drive in their cars on Shabbat afternoon. He says these people clearly respect uh, Shabbat, but they disagree with its observance. So what exactly is a person meant to do in this situation? Um, how are you meant to rebuke them? They think that they have their own way of of uh, keeping Shabbat. Somebody will turn around to me and say, it's more important for me to eat um, organic or ethical um, foods than the ancient laws of Kashrut. What does a person do with that situation? And so, the mitzvah of rebuke certainly seems the antithesis of our tolerant liberal society. Um, and even more, the, uh, difficult to, to apply in a contemporary environment. Um, that's on first glance. On second thoughts, um, that might not be so true. Uh, we do understand the notion of responsibility within society. Uh, let me try and explain. Imagine, I don't know, situations where society does encourage us to interfere with others, even in the public areas. I imagine the people on a bus, uh, or some other public transport might feel free to, to ask a smoker uh, a smoker to stop smoking because it's against the law. Or, for example, a homeowner might uh, rebuke someone who parked over their driveway. Um, 
I'm not sure. I think sometimes a person might even think of saying something if a work associate or, or a neighbor was driving their child without a seatbelt. And I think people in contemporary society would express indignation and insult if if somebody, a workmate or somebody in a, in a store, I don't know, was making racist or sexist comments, uh, what would happen if if an American was standing there and a fellow citizen burned an American flag in public? What happens if uh, a student on a campus would uh, see somebody violating another student's right to free speech? There are situations, and they're particularly situations in which there are consensus issues, uh, consensus issues I'm talking about according to the sort of Western way of uh, Western liberal way of thinking, where a person may in fact uh, intervene or, or interfere with another one, uh, with another person in order to obstruct a crime. And I'd say even more than that, there might be situations, take uh, domestic violence, for example, where if somebody knew that it was going on and didn't stand in, didn't step in, where they might actually be considered to be in some manner culpable and and. In that regard, we understand better the idea of you should step in and say something because otherwise you will be culpable, you will be compliant in some way to the sin. And maybe the reason why we find this difficult to apply in a in regards to religious laws nowadays is because precisely there isn't that consensus amongst Jews as to what should be the appropriate uh, religious laws. Um, we don't all agree on all different standards, whether it's on keeping Shabbat or whether it is on the laws of Tzniyot or whether it's on attitudes to Israel or whether, whatever it might be. And therefore, the mitzvah of Tochacha becomes a, a sort of a, a difficult um, law to apply. However, I would like to try and read this in a, in a very different way. And uh, this is the way that the Rambam, the Rambam does read it in the traditional way of... Uh, of how we should rebuke people for their non-observance of the law. But that is not the that is not the first way that the Ramam applies it. In the Hilchot Deyot, chapter 6, Halacha um, 6, the Rambam uh, reads Hochech Tochech, I think according to Pshat. And uh, let's see how, how he reads it. He starts off in, in Halacha 5 talking about that you're not allowed to hate anyone in your heart and this is a very severe thing. But then he says, When a person sins against another person, when somebody insults you or somebody does something which is an, um, which offends you, you shouldn't just uh, remain silent and hate him in your heart. Like it says with Avshalom and Amnon, that he didn't say a word to him. Sometimes when you hate somebody, you remain silent. Of course, the animosity between Avshalom and Amnon uh, flared up into, into murder. Avshalom kills Amnon. You have to actually tell them. Why did you do that to me? Why did you offend me in this way? Or why did you harm me in this way? 
as it says, you shall surely rebuke your friend. And if you, and if the person approaches you and says, please forgive me, then you have to forgive. Let's try and see how the Rambam is reading these verses, verse 17 and 18, in a very beautiful way. The first phrase, do not hate your brother in your heart. Well, why might I help my brother in my heart? Well, I might hate my neighbor or my brother because he's offending me, because he's harmed me in some way. And therefore, I'm going to harbor ill will in my heart. And therefore, You shall surely rebuke your brother. In other words, if he offends you or affronts you, rebuke him, confront him, talk it through, tell him he offended you, so that you will not bear against him a sin. What sin? Hating him without cause. In other words, you must not hate your brother in the heart. In your heart, Talk it out with him, so that you will not bear the sin of hating him. You have to talk things through. And likewise, you must not take revenge or harbor grudges against your friend or against your fellow uh, Jews. You should love one another, Ani Hashem. And here I think the Haftalarecha we can see, doesn't mean you should love your neighbor as yourself, but what it means is there has to be cohesion in society. As the, uh, as the Ibn Ezra says, um, Shiyahav Hatov Lechaviro You should want good for other people like you want good for yourself. Or maybe he means you should want or you should love the good in your neighbor like you want other people to see the good in you. Um, the Rambam, again in Hilchot Teot, tells us that this law of preventing revenge and pre- preventing a cycle of hatred, of people hating each other and then corresponding with grudges or, or with revenge and escalating the whole cycle of, of, of violence and of uh, and of hatred within society is an essential constituent of uh, societies. He says, uh, This is the correct uh, characteristic, this is the correct trait which will enable society, Yeshuv Haaretz. I don't think he means here Yeshuv Haaretz is in the land of Israel. He means Yeshuv Haaretz is in the ability of people to live together. And for people to interact. And I couldn't agree more. This seems to be a code which really tells people that in order for us to get on with each other, we sometimes have to talk through our problems. We have to be willing to voice them. We have to be willing sometimes to tell people they offended us. And as the Rambam indicates... Uh, when they say sorry, we have to accept their apology. Um, the idea of bearing grudges and, and acting vengefully um, is something which certainly will destroy any sense of uh, neighborliness, social cohesion, or uh, societal harmony. And this is true at the, at the family level, this is true at the communal level, and it's true at the level of society at large. And therefore, as I say, the, the framework of Parshat Kodoshim tries to create a particular ethic, a particular atmosphere, a particular culture 
which should embody uh, the Jewish people in their land. It should be that the culture of um, Eretz Israel, when we are living there according to the Torah, will be uniquely different from any other country because we'll be following the, the laws of the Torah. And uh, one of the segments that we deal with, of course, as I say, there are many others, deals exactly with this uh, very wise notion. And here, Hocher Tochiach is taken out of its religious context. It's taken out of the context of trying to ensure that people are keeping halacha well. That's not what Hocher means, according to this reading of the Rambam. And uh, check out the Ibn Ezra who agrees. Um, no, it, it's all about uh, simply uh, talking things through. The ability to use language in order to resolve disputes and not to let uh, unspoken uh, hatred fester uh, beneath the surface so that it uh, bursts forth with far greater fury of future times. Let's hope that in reading Parsha Kodoshim we will learn that much better. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom.